what the Fed has done, one of their main tools that they use to try to bring down inflation, they've risen interest rates to where they are at currently right now. The reason why they believe this will help, right, is because if interest rates go up, it's supposed to lessen demand. We know it's supposed to lessen affordability for people to buy homes. That hasn't seemed to have helped. It's supposed to lower consumer sentiment. Traditionally, it's supposed to do those things. We don't feel like the consumer has fully accepted what the Fed has been trying to do. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, Relax your mind and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Welcome back to the higher standard, everyone. This is your favorite host, Chris. That is Said Omar. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I need some. I need some enthusiasm out of you. Where's the energy? No, there you go. Reverse discriminate. That's fine. <laughs> we uh, we are notably without a room tonight, and I actually I wanted to talk about this on the show, so I'm glad we didn't talk about it before the show started. Okay. Was it uh, difficult for you to fire your brother-in-law? Fire <laughs> him. Is that why he's not here? Hey, man. Budget cuts, dude. Everyone. Pro- proper vernacular is terminate. I mean, what, what, did you, what did you do? Exactly. Hasta la vista, baby. I mean, what did you do? I just had to go to him and be like, listen, man. Labor market's too tight. Mm. Jerome Powell says he's not seeing enough movement. You know all the stuff in the show we've been talking about, about there being challenges in the economy? Yeah. That's you. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, we just we just laid off 33% of our workforce. <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny. Sorry. That's not funny. <laughs> I, I was laughing. Laugh. It, it was, it was, laugh, it was the forced laugh. <laughs> I'm so ashamed. <laughs> Yeah. So we are without our technology and our usual production brother in the back. So we're going a little a la carte tonight. We miss you, Odin. No, we don't. Uh, I mean, that's cute. I mean, whatever. Yeah, sure, whatever. I miss him. Oh, I miss him too. Truth be told, Arun's uh, baby daughter has uh, COVID. Right. Seems like she's okay. It's 2023. Who's still getting COVID? I was kind of shocked that she was the first one to get COVID in the family. That was weird, right? Yeah, she has it. My mother-in-law has it. And actually, so my law has it right now. My cousin, my cousin, who's a doctor. Oh, is that where the baby got it from then? No, uh-huh. but my cousin, who's a doctor, he recently got this variant, whichever variant it is now. Yeah. And he said he's he's also caught every variant, and he said this one has hit him the hardest. Really? That's what he said. What What was so hard about it? Uh, everything. All the symptoms were enhanced. Mm. Yeah. So I could have made a lot of jokes. With go the back word to enhanced. wearing masks. No, that's no, not gonna happen. Never gonna happen. No, not, <laughs> not ever gonna happen. Not gonna be able to do it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna do that. Okay, so tonight's show, we're gonna talk about interest rates. Mm-hmm. There's gonna be a little common theme here as we go through the show. Um, we're gonna talk a lot about the same things we've talked about for a long time. Yes. <laughs> so a little recap. 
It's it's recapping a lot of content for two reasons. One, there's some stuff that came out which really kind of shows what we were talking about has now evolved. Mm-hmm. And two, um, not because we're petty despite popular belief, but because this is a really interesting kind of nebulous period of time with economic data where the next cycle of data is going to come out and then you have the Fed uh, interest rate hike or presumptively a hike in July that's going to be coming out. End of the month, yep. So a lot of people are just kind of looking backward right now because there's not a lot of new data that came out in the last week, especially with the 4th of July holiday, mm-hmm. and uh, trying to figure out exactly what the historical data has meant and what the implications are to the economy. And this show will deal with a lot of that. Right. I mean, later on this week, I mean, by the time this this episode comes out, CPI will be already be out, which is something that the Fed does look at. Mm-hmm. Um, not their preferred measure of inflation, but still, nonetheless, something they look at. Uh, the producer price index. PPI. PPI will also come out. And I think we got bank earnings, right? Yeah, this is bank earnings season, brother. Yeah. This is a cash money gambit right now. Yeah. Or shall I say lack of cash flow. Mm. Mm. Foreshadowing in the business, kids. Well done, sir. I was Googling our show today. You were? I do this shit. <laughs> I, some people can call me egotistical. Some people can just call me conscious analytical you know i'm thoughtful okay pragmatic okay devilishly handsome and charming i mean come on you know i'm stretching devilish like my stretch marks but they're there though yeah you were you the first stretch four no no, no i wasn't no you weren't i had to think back to basketball terminology is he calling me a bad name right now no <laughs> okay no 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 that's that, that's okay that's okay yeah okay, you know what yeah fine yeah all right so we're going to talk a little bit about data. So the first one right out the gate is going to be U.S. interest rate hikes like I talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. We're going to go to a 10-year treasury. Saeed wants to talk about the yield curve inversion again. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Okay, I may have put it in the show notes, but there's value here. <laughs> there is a lot of value there, yes. Then we're going to talk about banks needing more of a financial cushion according to Fed's bar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then I found an interesting article this morning. We, I don't know if you had time to read from the Wall Street Journal. Which one? About everyone wants interest on their deposits. That's bad. I haven't got a chance to for read Main that Street yet. Banks. That's a great article, dude. Okay. I mean, it makes sense. If you're gonna read anything that we put in the show notes, that's the one. That's a great article. Okay. Well, we'll dive into it. Just uh, well, I mean, we won't. I will, because you know you didn't <laughs> read it. That actually might be worthwhile for us to get into, and uh, you know, kind of break down almost paragraph by paragraph. There's a lot there. Wow. It's not a long article, but there's a lot that that's gonna, I guess, resonate. The people feel, who listen to the show. I feel like you're trying to make Odin's homework assignment a whole hell of a lot longer. I figure the more we like move in front of the cameras right now, <laughs> his his cutting and editing of the video will be all sorts of fucked yeah. up. Back and forth. And you? And I you. mean, you and you. And then me. And, me, and then you? <laughs> and then you. And then you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Saeed's got a bunch of articles in here that we're going to talk about as well, most notably payrolls. And then I think you had the jobs in one month net change again. Is that from the last yep. show? Did we do that in the last show too? No, 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 no. This was the jobs report. The other one I had was private payroll. So, oh, because uh, I saw this one. And, oh, you, the one you had was ADP. Yes. That was previous, the pre- on, Yeah, yeah. And so this one is the actual, yeah. And the, I, this, this headline one blew me the fuck away. Right. And then we'll get into that. And, and then I'll find uh, a way to integrate everything else into what you have. Well, that's so nice. That's what I always do. You never you to integrate your things into mine. I integrate into you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. I I wholeheartedly accept your injection. There you, there you go. There's consent. All right. So I'm not even sure where this chart came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna put it on the show. We <laughs> silly. Arun's oh. gonna put it on the show. <laughs> <laughs> if you have uh, access to the YouTube channel, it's there. I, I would source it if I could, but I don't really know where it came from. 
But basically, it's comparing the speed of U.S. interest rate hikes. And for all the people who criticized us, particularly after the Mind Pup episode, Adam, people, I was saying, you know, it was unprecedented what's been happening. Mm -hmm. People were like, no, it's not, man. This happened in the 80s, man. And they, they were like, you know, get all sassy pants. Right. This chart's a great chart going back about 40 years, which compares the cadence of interest rate increases in aggregate. I don't like this one per se in that it, it could be... It can be done a little differently to show it, but basically it shows that what we're going through right now, and I'm going to quote the actual chart, mm -hmm. rates have risen faster than at any other time in recent history. Mm -hmm. I would also argue that they've also risen faster than at any time in history. But yes. again, that's that's not neither that, here nor there. Right. That, that's the point that people like to try to argue. So the periods that, that was next closest to this was 88 and 89. Mm -hmm. Just below that, in the third place, 94, 95. Below that, 04, 06. Below that, 1999 and 2000. And 2015 to 2018, which was a long period. Right. Uh, so time. so since, we're, since we're recapping here. Are we right? recapping? We're recapping. I thought we were just spitting game. Yeah. We're recapping. We're relying. Which also could stand for recapitalizing. There you go. I mean, I that's mean, what we do. I mean, it is financial literacy podcast. That, is, that is what we do. So from... 2020 to uh, 2022, we know that the Federal Reserve, in conjunction with the U.S. government, printed a whole hell of a lot of money, trillions, trillions of dollars, right, which led to this spike in inflation. I just realized that if somebody tuned into the show for the first time <laughs> and heard some of the shit that we say. Yeah, you got to be. <laughs> their initial re knee-jerk reaction would be like, these guys are immature. They're perverts. Yeah. And they don't know words. They don't understand how to speak properly. They don't properly. get the game. Yeah. And they, if they're watching the, the YouTube video, they're like, they must really love Dave Ramsey. Because he's back here on the <laughs> show. He's, he's the homie. I mean, right. not the homie. <laughs> but. Yeah, definitely not. This is called sarcasm in the biz. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. We're hoping he catches on. Right? You think he ever will? I want for that cease and desist letter. Yeah. You need to take my book off the back credenza. <laughs> right. Exactly. Because home prices are not going to go this down. This is the only way we can get people to go back and tune into old episodes, try to figure out where all this shit is coming from. Where did all this hatred come from? When did Saeed actually turn into the villain? Yeah. <laughs> Why do they say trillions? Yeah. Trillion. Yeah. It's in the episode title, so yeah. it's kind of easy. Yeah. Try to make it easier. Right, so, so, you were saying. so they they printed trillions of dollars, mm -hmm. right, which led to a, a huge spike in inflation. So what the Fed has done, one of their main tools that they use to try to bring down inflation has... They've risen interest rates to where they are at currently right now. Given this, I'm bringing this up because of the chart that you wanted Odin to pull up. The reason why they believe this will help, right, is because it can, if interest rates go up, it's supposed to lessen demand. We know it's supposed to lessen affordability for people to buy homes. That hasn't seemed to have helped. It's supposed to lower consumer sentiment. Can we say that traditionally it would do those things? Traditionally, it's supposed to do those things. We don't feel like the consumer has fully accepted what the Fed has been trying to do. There's a really easy behavioral economics explanation for that. And the mm -hmm. fact that the Fed didn't contemplate this is stunning to me. Well, maybe they, maybe they did, maybe they didn't care. I think they did. I think Jerome Powell is visibly frustrated, if I'm being honest. Yeah. And I think the Fed is probably having closed-door meetings that start with something like, what in the actual fuck bar? <laughs> yeah, dude. God damn it, Kashgari, get my goddamn bagel. I mean, they're probably all in there yelling at each other, right? All that, yeah. Because after 14 years of artificial interest rate deflation, mm -hmm. after a pandemic where we pumped 
2.3 billion dollars in savings into people's trillion dollars into people's uh savings accounts and yes spending increase and all these things happened of course the consumer's not going to believe it mm-hmm. why would they why would i've got more mean? money in savings than i've ever had and ever right and then i've also got 14 years of the lowest interest rates ever every right. entrepreneur who started was crushing it right the economy's clearly doing well we have we haven't we haven't hit that quote-unquote recession even though by definition we did recession right <laughs> recession right so basically what the fed is trying to do by raising the interest rates is slow down the economy okay but it's not working it's yet. not it's not working yet we know q1's real gdp uh was actually revised upwards to two percent mm-hmm. uh look it's looking like q2 G- real gdp is going to come in somewhere between one to two percent so it's a slow downward trend yet still positive right so they make believe- some predictions on cpi saeed I mean, CPI comes in at the headline figure they're saying is going to hit have a three handle. Well, it kind of already ha- does have a three handle, but okay, yeah, I right. think it's going to have a low three handle, a low three handle, but core three handle or four handle, four handle. Ooh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's correct. That's that sticky icky, right? So they believe by if they are able to accomplish. You know, slowing down the economy, prices for goods and services and rent and rent equivalent, like housing, everything will come down. But unfortunately, they didn't factor in, like you said, the behavioral economics of everything, the psychology behind everything. People have been dealing with prosperous times over the last 14 years. For too long. For too long. They're not just going to be able to flip a switch and change the way they live and they act on a day-to-day basis, mm-hmm. Right. So that's been the struggle that they've been dealing with, that we've all been dealing with. So the the pain is still yet to come. So a lot of the articles that I've been reading as of late have now been switching the narrative where there's clearly more concern in the people that are writing about financial matters in general. Yes. Uh, but those who are on the, hey, are we going to have a recession? Are we not path? Mm-hmm. Have gone from like, oh, we're going to have a recession or we might have a recession or we could get a softy or we could get a hardy. It's now... We're going to have a recession, but it's likely going to take longer to get there. Mm-hmm. And that is becoming more and more of a resounding, consistent theme where I think people in the business are now accepting that these lagging indicators are lagging extra long. Mm-hmm. And the more pressure the Fed puts on by increasing interest rates, right? the more likely recession is going to be. And in some journals, even gone so far as of late to say the Fed needs to put us in a recession because the consumer's just not going to pivot until they hear those words. Well, I feel like the, it, there's really bad timing coming for everybody or for a huge portion of the population. Why is that? Okay, so with interest rates continuing to go, we already know credit card debt's at an all-time high. It can only go up so much higher. People are maxing out on their cards. You remember? You imagine how many people were like, oh, man, it's all good. I'm going to get student loan forgiveness. So my student loan payment's going to go away. So I'll that's, pivot that to credit cards. That's the exact point. Whoopsies. That's the exact point that I was trying to make. They have 40 million Americans are going to now have to restart their student loan payments over the next several months. Yeah, that's a problem. Okay, that's, that's a problem. That's right out the gate, it's a problem. We've discussed it. Two to $400 for on average for student loan payments. Definitely some people with a lot more. What's going to take a hit first? Definitely retail sales, consumer spending, right? Is going to is going to take a big hit. I don't know, man. I've been calling that for so long and not I'm like the boy who cried wolf now. I, I was going back to 
I mean, March and April of last year, I was like, oh, don't worry, the consumer's going to pull back. No, no, re- retail sales have been coming down, but they haven't been pulling back on, on everything yet. But now with with people having an additional two to $400 expense every month, that's going to directly impact what they spend on a monthly basis. Ret- you know, retail sales actually makes up 40% of U.S. consumption. Yep. I didn't know that. And we're, we know, and we know for every country, man. For, for GDP, consumption is 70% of our GDP. Mm-hmm. So factor that in. You have that coming in. We know layout, layoffs. We talked about corporate bankruptcies and, um, you know, them, them folding, companies folding. Jobs report. Still positive, man. You want to jump into that now? I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. We can we can jump into it right now. I mean, so unemployment actually went the other way, 3.6%. But it, this reading came in low. The It was like the lowest number in, in quite a long time. Only added 209,000 jobs. The last jobs report that came out, and what initially came out, ended up getting revised downward. So you see how confusing that is, right? So ADP comes out with this number that's like, holy shit, mm-hmm. tons of jobs out there. Yeah. Then the government's number comes out, mm-hmm. and their number is two hundred nine thousand jobs in June. This is the worst result in two and a half years. So bad result for June, mm-hmm. but still a, a decrease in unemployment. Yeah, right. Yeah, de- so it actually went down at three point six percent. Yeah, three point six. But so, and they're only projecting it to to get up to four point one percent by the end of the year, which is probably like a half million more jobs. But I mean, that just to me now means it's going to peak next year. Right, it's just delaying, you know. Hence the, the narrative that you're seeing from people saying, "We're going to have a recession. It's just going to take longer to get right." There. So this is a quote from Jerome Powell. He said, "We need to see a better alignment of supply and demand in the labor markets, and we need to see more softening in the labor market conditions." Basically, what he's trying to say there is, we need unemployment to go higher, mm. and we need job openings to become less. Right. Why doesn't he say that, though? Like, why Why doesn't he just come out and... This is what bothers me so much about him being the most communicative Fed secretary ever. Okay. If you're going to be communicative, mm-hmm. come out and say candid, clear shit. Mm-hmm. You know, it shouldn't be like this. I need to see data that supports the conclusion. Mm-hmm. The fuck does that mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, I would have much more respect if he came out and said, hey, man... Home price need to come down. More y'all motherfuckers need to be laid off. Mm-hmm. And uh, wages need to come down. Y'all spoiled. Right. Don't get mad at me. That's what I need to see. Okay. I know it's not, it's a grisly, nasty message. Mm-hmm. But we all know that's what he's saying at dinner parties at his house. Yeah. That you're invited to. Me? Not yet. I haven't gotten it yet. I I'm, thought, st- I thought, I'm holding out for our boy, Noriel. Noriel Rubini. He said that you're- he, You know he doesn't have dinner parties, right? Look, it's hot tub parties. Hot tub parties only. Yeah. What you doing? I'm not messing around with this shit. Get out of here. Listen, baby, I have new cold plunge. <laughs> you ain't got a cold plunge. <laughs> if you sit doesn't. inside and hold your breath and calm yourself, <laughs> then we go into hot tub. Wait, he's not a mad scientist. we talk about economics. <laughs> you made him sound like a mad scientist. I was at, <laughs> man, you're like baiting me. I mean, I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Come on, man. Nope. Tell me. <laughs> nope. Wait, okay. You ain't going to do it. All right. Well, so the the main reports that the Fed has to look at now in their upcoming meeting at the end of the month, I believe July 25th and 26th. Yep. Right? They have the PCE report that came out. Nothing that helped our cause there. Okay. 
They have CPI coming out. We'll see if it's enough. We already know that's not their preferred measure. Their preferred measure is PCE. They mentioned it, right? Which has remained extremely sticky, meaning the numbers really haven't fluctuated much or come down fast enough. And the only difference is it removes food and energy. That's it. That's all it does. Well, no, 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 no. no. They have their. They, they both have their headline figures, and they both have core core inflation. Yeah. But the core inflation that for oh, one of them. Sorry, you're talking about PCE versus PCE headline versus, inflation versus, versus CPI, right? So um, that, and then the jobs report. I got lost in the hairiness of your knuckles. I apologize. Don't, come on. Don't do this. I got laser hair Why, what's... on the arms. You did it again? You know, and every time I go in to do it, <laughs> I have to explain, like, I apologize that you're going to have to laser my ass. Mm. You still, oh wait, every time you go in, you do full body? No, no. So I'm going in primarily for the, um, <laughs> God damn it, there's no nice way to say this. Um, the core. The core inflation. The core inflation. Yeah, yeah. Um, to to temper my core inflation. Yes. And focus on the things that I can. Yeah. The relief valves, if you will. <laughs> okay. All right. So, yeah, the buttocks. <laughs> yeah, okay. Just get straight But every single it. time I got a different person. Mm-hmm. How many more sessions you got? Uh, at the rate I'm going right now, probably like three, four. <laughs> there is never a moment where I, as a married man, get naked, penis out in front of the table, mm-hmm. and feel comfortable. Like it just feels wrong, man. That's that's a lot. It, it's just it's just wrong. And like they're like, oh, don't worry, you're the third guy I've seen today. And this last girl was super nice. She's like, you want to do your testicles? I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no. I do dude, not. That's, <laughs> I do holy not. cow, that would be so painful. Apparently, people do it. That's, she told me I was the third guy in there today, be, that's and a, I was the only one who didn't do the testicles. That's a guilty pleasure. No way. Guilty? Pl- no, there's yeah. no pleasure in it. It's, some people are sick, man. Sick. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. Well. Yeah, so I did that, but you get touch-ups on all the other parts. Because I'm on testosterone replacement therapy. Mm-hmm. Some of the hair on my arms and everything is growing back, so I did my arms again. Yeah. Okay. Thought I'd share. Yeah, I appreciate you Do you share. have anything personal sure. about your life you would like to share on the <laughs> no, show? absolutely nothing personal. Nothing? Absolutely nothing. Oh, I, I head coached my son's basketball game this past week. This is why people find me more endearing than you said. I, no, I head coached, I head coached Adam's basketball team this That's past week. That's not very, like, you know, sensational. Yeah. You, do you watch No Jumpers podcast at all? No jumper at oh Adam. Adam twenty two. Adam twenty two. Yeah. No, I never watch it, but I, I know of him. <clears throat> wow, that's convenient. <laughs> I'm, I'm being serious. Okay. Well, he uh he is the way the show works right now for him, at least his plug talk show. First half they interview somebody. Okay. Second half usually him and his wife sleep with that somebody. Oh, I did not know that. Almost always a female. I did not know. And they that. have a whole like OnlyFans channel dedicated to it. Okay. I don't know what the background is, but apparently she's never slept with anybody since she's been with him. They just got married recently, him and his fiance. They have a daughter together. I see. Well, all over the internet, he is just getting slaughtered because she slept with a very well-endowed man on her first solo with her and him on her own. And Adam brought her on his own show to talk about it uh, yeah, because he's, yeah. I mean, he's marketing his wife. Yes. And she has an OnlyFans and she, I guess that's this money. This is a her. very awkward relationship. It's a very awkward relationship. But the media had a field day. Like the, the not like the real media, like ABC News, K, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. none of that stuff. But like the social media, media had yeah. a field day. And people were just calling him all sorts of names and calling him weak. I mean, this is a guy whose main podcast, No Jumper, interviews like hip hop and rap artists and people that are kind of in the game, right, in the streets. Right. That exactly. A lot of bravado, a lot of machismo, if you will. Okay. 
Look at you. You swore the Machismo is not very easy to plug in there, right? <laughs> Wait for the that fact- for 160 episodes of this show. <laughs> I was now. gonna say, man, the fact you had that in your arsenal. I'm ready to go, man. Yeah, lock and loaded. Um well anyway, he's just getting just railed, mm-hmm. for lack of a better expression. <laughs> I mean, you yeah, can't choose I mean, anything else. It's the truth. And it's it's just been like this ongoing saga. <laughs> so KFC's Barstool Sports picks it up. KFC's? All right. Yeah. It's KFC Barstool Sports. Is, what it, is, is it KFC? I have no idea. Uh, is, I don't know. Barstool, Barstool Sports, Sports yeah, right? Yeah. It up. The One Minute Man. So I think that's okay, why okay, it's KFC. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but uh, man, it's all over social media, and he's just getting blasted aye, aye, aye. for like being like weak and soft, and, uh, and like it'll be interesting to see if like in today's day and age, mm-hmm. if he could rebound from that. I don't know that it's rebounding at all. It's just if it's acceptable or not. Because for him, it's all about branding, right? It's always branding. It's all about the brand. He, I mean, it, it, he he did a full interview with his wife where he mm-hmm. talked about this, and I listen. I listened to it while I was on the treadmill. Mm-hmm. I, the whole interview I was stunned. Yeah. And then he has the guy that she slept with, the porn star, call into the show, and then he talks to the three of them at the same time. And the guy who's this is cringeworthy, man. It, it's it was so painful to listen to, but you couldn't. It was like a like a car accident. You had to watch. Really. So Adam asked him, like, you know, would you do the same? And you were in my position. And he goes, man, I don't know if I could do that. And he, I mean, he was, he was, the guy was incredibly nice and, and very, he's like, in the beginning, he was like, look, it's just a business relationship. He's like, I understand how people can be critical of you and call you names and, you know, all that. He's like, but if you think about it from the context of this is just a business relationship and we're, you know, we yeah. did our business and we left, blah, blah, uh-huh. that's all that this is, no more. He's like, you know, I, I think you can take a little bit. He's like, it'd be different if you did this at home because it's something you enjoy doing. Like, this is a business. This is a, okay. So yeah. So then Adam naturally turns to him and said, Well, if you were in my shoes, could you do it? And he goes, Yeah, I don't think I don't I don't I don't think I could do that. Don't think you could do it. No way. And it's just like, oh God. Oh yeah, he wanted he wanted Like he's it. in the business, man. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. And it was just, yeah, it, it's because um, okay, it kind of reeks of like him pimping out his wife. Well, people were calling him a cuck. You ever heard of this expression? Yes, I had to Google this and figure this yeah, out. No, it's 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 when it's when a man watches another man have sex with his, his wife, but he enjoys it. Yeah, yeah he does it at a pleasure. Yeah, and Adam's argument like, was is like I don't enjoy it. This is very awkward for me. I didn't watch anything. It's just I mean, you do kind of enjoy the money coming in. I guess yeah, shades of gray. I don't know, man, but I was so thankful that. This is not anywhere near my life ever because it's just the the, the dynamics an, are so different. And then I'm like, when I hear you've got a daughter, when I oh like, man, how do you break that down? How do you like, yeah, what kind of world are you bringing her into? That's the whole. That's when I find out about things like this, and I have, my wife and I have these discussions. It's like, man, this is in our world. People are living this life right now. Oh, I it's not just this. I, is I one example. I, of just, many. I can't believe that this world exists, and it, it they have a following. Dude, he's got millions of followers. Yeah. It's incredible. Unreal. So that's a good example of sharing personal information. So when you talk about coaching, well, he's also, I got to be honest. <laughs> it's a little bit light on, on endearment factor. You know what I mean? Is it? Okay. Well, I'll make it. I'll give you something to really like stick your teeth into. Okay, let's go. Okay. So this past week, um, my son Adam did not practice enough. Okay. Hold on. I know you're going you're gonna to take a big issue with this. So he didn't practice enough during the week. And I was head coach this week. Head coach was out on vacation. Okay. We get to the game. Right when we get out of the car, I'm like, hey, Adam, remember how I told you that if you didn't practice enough, it wasn't going to be good for you? He's Bench like, your own damn yeah. son, didn't you? Bench him. Didn't play him the whole fourth quarter. 
poor kid had tears in his eyes and it hurt. It hurt me. It hurt me to see him. So he still got to play in the first, second, and third. Okay. But he didn't get to play the fourth. And he and he kept walking up to me like, Dad, can I please go in? And I'm like, No. I said you couldn't go in. You didn't deserve to play. You do realize if you weren't the coach, you wouldn't know that he didn't practice and you would play him. No, no, no. But I did know, and there's a greater lesson to be learned here. I, I asked him, I said, let me ask you a question, Adam. Did, do you think you deserve to play? And I asked him, think about it before you answer me. Think about it for 10 seconds before you answer me. And he paused and he said, no. If Allen Iverson were here, you know what he'd say? Practice? We're talking about practice, not the game. You don't even know the whole backstory behind that. Practice. Do you know the whole backstory? You can't bring that up without knowing. Not the game. Practice. We talking about practice. He was also the MVP of the league at the time. But anyways, came home. Guess what? Guess what he's been doing the last two, three days? Practicing. Because that lesson has been learned now. It's not like I benched him the whole game. And it may have been hard. I had some 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 of the other parents like, oh, why didn't Adam play, you know, at the end of the game? Because he's like one of the favorites for people to watch because he really tries hard. He dives on loose balls. Like he really like goes after it. And I said, oh, because he didn't he didn't do what he told me he was going to do. So he didn't deserve to play. I can't reward bad behavior. Those parents from home are like, God damn, that guy is an asshole. And I told and I told him, I told Adam, I looked him in his eye and I'm like, I got emotional, too. I said, Adam, I love you. It hurts me more to not watch you play. I would have loved for him to look you in the eye said, and fuck go, you, no, dad. you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. Fuck you, dad. No, you don't. Yeah. No, it hurt. I'm Mommy going. said you're fat. <laughs> come on, man. What? Is that what she said? You don't know what she said when you're not home? Yeah, just come on. Kids do, though. <laughs> Kids do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that was that was a tough weekend. Yeah, it hurt. But lesson gonna... lesson was learned, so we'll see. I would like to lovingly point out that obviously I respect how you feel. Mm-hmm. But I I could have many opportunities to harp on the whole villain theme. Wow! But I've chosen not to do that. Sometimes, you know, as a parent, we have to do what's best, what we feel like is best, even though it's difficult to do in the moment. And I felt like that's what he needed to hear. Okay. And guess what? We ended up winning that game. Like it was intense, man. It, it went. It was going back and forth. It was. It was. And I didn't. I couldn't have that on my record. Oh, and one as a head coach. No way. How old are these kids? These kids are seven, playing against nine-year-olds. I have them playing up. Yeah. There's yeah. a whole <laughs> there's, there's psychological a profile there to unpack. I'm going to let you uh, get away from this. Yeah? Okay. Uh, Appreciate yeah. you. I mean, honestly, the porn star conversation was a lot less awkward for me than this one is. <laughs> just just being real with you, man. <laughs> like, torturing nine-year-olds doesn't seem like the way to go. It was it torture. According to CNBC, the 10-year yield rises as investors look to Fed speaker comments and key economic data. Mm-hmm. This bouncing off the heels of a prior commentary, I wish Jerome Powell would just come out and say what he actually feels. This way, they wouldn't have to look at the Fed speaker's comments and try to figure out what he meant by it. He would be like, I'm going to raise rates until I feel like I shouldn't. Right. We going up. Until I tell you we're not. Right. Simple statement. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Quoting the article, the yield on 10-year treasury rose Monday of this week. Today is July 10th. As investors awaited the latest comments from the U.S. Federal Reserve officials and key inflation data due this week, some of which we know is forthcoming, some of which is already out. Right. Exactly. So I felt like it would be worthy to break down the inverted yield curve one more time, hopefully the last time. I know we've tried to break this down. 
you kind of glaze over. You go over really quickly because it's a very easy concept for you to understand. No, not an easy concept are, at all. You are a savant, right? Idiot savant uh, you, is what you, you called you, me earlier. No, you call yourself a savant. I think you just called me an idiot. No, you said you're a savant. I've never called myself a savant. You said you called yourself an idiot savant. True. Fun fact, true statement. Yeah. I do not feel like I'm an intelligent person. Okay. Oh boy. I just work harder than most people do. Okay. So to to break this down, right? Well, the not, inverted, not even, not even compliment me. The, yeah. in, the inverted yield curve. You do work. Right you do work very hard. You, mm. do work, you work a lot harder than most people. That's why you called me idiot savant earlier, huh? <laughs> than most people. Okay. So the inverted yield curve. Why this is such an important topic to bring up. Okay. And why we continue to bring it up on the show is that it's predicted every recession since the 1950s you go with that you go huh? with that right before you came on the show no i have it right here yeah and i even got the dates if you want it all the dates of all the recessions that it's predicted well right color me interested do you okay here we go give me the dates and do it slowly do, do it, it bellissimo bellissimo okay here we go we got uh july of 1973 november of 1978 late october of 1980 uh june of 1989, July of 2000, August of 2006, and May of 2019. Okay, so the inverted yield curve has called every single one of those uh, recessions. S key thing to point out: we're not saying that the inverted yield curve causes a recession. It's just an indicator. It's flashing. It's letting you know that it's coming. It's around the corner. It's a, it's I believe like, what you're trying to say is not all recessions are preceded by an inverted yield curve, but all inverted yield curves precede recessions. Yes. And it's, it's like Woo, it's, dropping it's, quotes. It's like me saying like, give if, me the compliment. If I raise my hand to slap Chris, the raising of the hand is not what caused me to slap Chris, but it's just alarming and alerting him that the slap is coming. I got to tell you, man, for a guy who I'm trying to back off the villain narrative for, you were not helping yourself tonight. Like, I'm trying to I'm help just telling you, bro. you know, sometimes you deserve to be slapped. I'm trying to. You know how many slaps I've, I've kept away from hitting? Because you deserve to a lot. Like, why? When? When? Yeah, oh, when? We'll get it. Oh. When have I been that out, outrageous that you felt like you need to slap when, me? When you slapped me at dinner when we had mine with my pump. I was also very intoxicated. You, you deserve to be slapped, though. I, when we had dinner. Wait, the first time we went? First time we went, yeah. What you holding on to that this long? I, I mean, that was that was like a year ago. I'm just letting you know. I was Yo. just one of many times. Okay. Damn, you've been so, holding that for a minute. Well, I've, I've told you this multiple times. Anyways, I ignored so, you multiple times. I know you did, villain. So um, <laughs> it's predicted every recession since the 1950s. So what it is? Okay, basically, what you need to know is that the government pays interest on its loans on its on money that it gets, no different than you and I, right? So what? They pay interest typically under normal times. They pay more interest on money that is owed for longer than it is for shorter. Normally, under you're explaining the core narrative uh, behind how the bond market works. Yes, treasuries, right? So it should cost me less to borrow money over a two-year span than it does over a ten-year span, right? Yeah, if you're holding on to my ten dollars for longer. I yeah. want more interest, baby. I want more juice. Makes way more sense, right? So that's when the it, it goes up like this. Now what we're seeing is up it, like this to an audio podcast. No, no, we got cameras. That, that's me hinting for you to switch over to YouTube and help out that subscriber count. Hit that like button. Leave us a comment down below if you think Chris deserves to be slapped. Logan, that's not you, buddy. <laughs> Logan, that's, that's not you. <laughs> you know Logan's team, Saeed, yeah. all the way. Let's go. Yeah. Logan comments on every single YouTube video. We love you, bro. Yeah, we appreciate you. Yeah. yeah. I, I appreciate you. Yeah. 
So the longer it takes to be paid back, the higher the interest rate under normal times, right? As the economy begins to struggle, investors that lend out their money to the government, right? What what do they expect? I want more interest now in the short period because I don't know if you can pay it back, right? That simple business practices. I don't right? know if you're going to be around in 10 years. I don't know if you're going to be around in 10 years. I don't know if you're going to start defaulting on your debt. I don't know what's going on. So pay me more now because you need it more now. And also another way to look at this is because the demand for money in the near term is so great. Mm-hmm. And the speculation in the long term is so great. There's less demand for long term. And because there's less demand, rates go down. Right. Exactly. So, and that's currently what we're experiencing now. This inversion, why it's costing more to borrow money for the short period. Please pause for one moment while I talk about how inverted we are. Please do. At 9.15 a.m. Eastern, the benchmark on Monday of this week, this again is July 10th, the day of recording. Mm Mm-hmm. The benchmark yield traded more than one basis point higher at 4.062% for the 10-year treasury. Mm -hmm. The two-year treasury yield, meanwhile, was unchanged at Mm 4.931%. So let's just round up. They're about a 1% difference, which I know doesn't sound like a lot, but in the treasuries and the bond market, that's a whole lot, especially for the two-year treasury to be that much higher than the 10-year treasury. Right, exactly. And something to note, when the, when there is an inverted yield curve, the recession isn't imminent, right? On average, when you look at you know historical figures here, it could take anywhere between six to 24 months for the recession, recession. to be realized. And, when I discuss economics. And the other thing to note, you can't really compare it to the stock market because stocks during this time can still perform well. So you can't look at the stock market and be like, oh, look, the stock market, what are, you, what are these guys talking about? And they about? have been performing well. They have been, yeah. 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 I, I, I have a, an example, uh, a very simple colloquial and relatable example of the yield curve inversion that oh, I want people to think about. It's very savant-like of you. Idiot savant, you'll see in a moment. <laughs> um, the inverted yield curve is like an Audi belly button, Okay. They exist. It happens from time to time, but a normal isn't any. What is that? Okay. Well, what what is that alarming though? What is that? What is that? What is that telling everybody? I if don't, you I don't... see, if you see an Audi, okay, that's very Audi, okay, very inverted. It's a little freaking creepy, <laughs> okay. Yeah. If it's like pointing its finger at you, but what's around the corner? What's around the corner is let's be honest. <laughs> nobody wants to play with the Audi that long, okay. <laughs> Nobody wants that. You can be overweight. You can be skinny. You can have an any, and it's all good. Yeah. But that really like prolongated like Audi. This that's scary. This, it means something. This is where I really wish we had. You need to listen. I want Odin to be googling right now. Pulling up pictures right. of Audis. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's great. Not only do I want to that um, the well, percentage then the search history. The, the Honey, percent- why are you googling Audi belly buttons? The percent. I want to know the percentage of the population that has Audi, so I know how many of our listeners are dropping off. <laughs> Dude, there's nothing. There can't be that many. Let's find out. Come on. I'm going to do this right now just because there's no better fact to ever share with anybody. How many people- I want to say I feel like I've seen maybe have less, Audi less than a, like a handful of Audis in my lifetime. Oh, here we go. Audi spelled O-U-T-I. O-U-T-I. Okay. Oh, shit. You ready? Take a guess. This oh, is from Healthline. Okay. Yeah, I can't guess. I'm 
I didn't know really? you saw it. Okay. Yeah. The Greeks pondered many existential questions, but there is no record that Socrates ever invited Plato to discuss skepticis, his omphophilos, and asked, does this look okay on you? So what is a normal belly button anyway? The majority of people have innies. Mm-hmm. In his the very scientific term for belly button that dips inward, mm. a normal yield curve inversion, yes. right? Protruding or outies mm-hmm. can be found on approximately ten percent of the population. They're about as common as left-handedness. Mm-hmm. That's oh, left-handedness. Ten percent of the population left-handedness. What? Yeah, that's a lot. Ten percent of the population is an outie. But I'm not talking Does like, that have anything to do with how they cut the umbilical cord? The Audi? Yeah. I don't know. It has to, has to have some some play in it, right? Come on. Uh, God, you made me Google this too. <laughs> You're curious now. Now we, I'm curious. We got to know. A longstanding theory or old wives blames doctors' techniques for creating Audis. <laughs> it was the next paragraph. <laughs> Should have just read it. <laughs> but there's no proof that cutting the umbilical cord a certain way or at certain length results in an Audi. Mm. The more likely determining factor is the amount of space between your skin and your abdominal muscle wall. According to this plastic surgeon, that is, if you have room to nest in any, you will. <laughs> if you don't, you won't. You won't. Pregnant women know that an any can temporarily become an Audi, like a yield curve inversion. As their abdomens grow and their belly buttons pop out, that's all be, of this is normal. That's got to be pretty terrifying, right? If like you're a pregnant woman, you got to wonder like, is this gonna go back in afterwards, or what happens? I've never actually seen that. I've seen like the belly button get flat because they got very pregnant, but I've never seen like pop out. Yeah, I, well, mean, I don't know. You'd also. have to know like them before to know that they had any. I don't really stare at Audi. pregnant women's bellies like that, though. I'm not gonna lie. Before my wife got pregnant, I couldn't. I'd be like, I'm, it's it's. I'm afraid you're gonna burst. It'd be hard for me to look at. I'd always like look away. Wow, really? Yeah, really. Yeah. I thought my wife was adorable as fuck towards the end. Of, like the day she gave birth, the night before she gave birth, the day before. Oh, she gave I lo- birth, I night. loved every moment of my wife being pregnant. No, you didn't. You just yeah. th- you just talk shit. Now you go back. No, off I said it? I said before my wife was pregnant, I couldn't. He's I like, could oh, not. Shit, she listens. No, I said I couldn't look because I would always be afraid. I'm like, there's a lot right there. I feel like you can go into labor at any moment. I have a very controversial question to ask you, but I know you're gonna get all weird about it, so I'm just not gonna. Just go ahead and ask. I'm just going to You sure? Yeah, and I'll tell you, no, I'm not answering if it's controversial. Sex with your pregnant wife. Awkward? Oh, my God, bro. We're not having this conversation. <laughs> it, what? No, we're not what? doing this. Is it awkward, it awkward or not? We're not doing this, bro. Is it, I'm just like, it's just a show. People people all share these thoughts. Doing, no, I'm not. Is it awkward? This, I'm not having this conversation. Remember what? My brother-in-law edits the show, bro. He's not here. <laughs> Odds are he's going to skim through this and never know what we're talking about. <laughs> you know, it's funny when they they tell you, like, the, the when um, they're, they're coming up close to the end of their their term, mm-hmm. and let's say it goes past the the due date. Mm-hmm. What they tell the the patients or the the um, oh yeah, sex actually encourages right. labor. Yeah, exactly. And then it's always like they're always looking at the guy like, "Come on, put in the work. Let's go." So I got to tell you, like I got really weirded out towards like the third trimester, mm-hmm. and like the whole idea of sex just made me feel because like it's just like you don't want to hurt anybody. Like you know what I mean? Like you don't want to like. You don't want to hurt anybody. You don't want to like poke anybody in the head. Like you don't want to like you know you don't want to do any of that stuff. Like it's just. I'm pretty sure that's not how it works, but okay. I know, but it's just the whole concept. Looking back on it, I I deeply regret feeling that way. Yeah. But you know, 
Sway felt. Sway so can't. Yeah, you can't. I just didn't it. want to break anything, man. Like I didn't like I didn't want to hurt my wife. I didn't want to hurt the baby. Like you know, you just. All right, you're very protective. Yeah. 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 See, innies, outies, babies, pregnancies, sex, uh, and somehow the yield curve. Yeah, there's a lot there. Makes sense. And no jumper. Yeah. No. Well, that started this off, but yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I was just stunned. I listened to the whole show going like, "This is so deeply disturbing." Of I'm a actually pretty shocked that you you even know about you know. It was all that, over my social media feed. That realm. What realm? The No Jumper podcast. I feel like that's so outside your realm. It normally would be. So I, I actually kind of geeked out on, the, on how Adam 22 became like a podcast. I'll be honest. I heard about him through uh, Andrew Schultz, the Flagrant Podcast. He had him on. Oh, he had Adam on? Yeah. Okay. See, Andrew Schultz, I get. Like, that guy is a great entertainer. He's a great host. He's The show's great. Right. Adam Twenty Two doesn't strike me as a podcaster. I think it's a similar concept, right? As it's, there's that shock value, the same thing as um, those two girls that had that podcast. The, uh, he's just willing to say the shit that people won't, normally wouldn't say. Yeah, we're going to talk about all the shit that nobody wants to say, or even I'll even take it a step further and do things that nobody else is willing to do. And yeah, put see, myself. I, it's like it's almost like he did the red table talk. Yeah, pretty much, right? Somebody actually commented one of the comments because it's again social media. Everyone was like. This was this was like his variant of red table talk, and he's like, yeah. "How did?" And then people were like, "How did that work out for Will?" Yeah, minus one. Yeah, so people were like, "Okay, More man." Like this... minus ten. Yeah, How is Will Smith there? ever going to recover, like career wise? I don't know because you can't. There's a major drop off, man. It hurts me to admit this. So to set the stage, Will Smith recognized. I think I told you this before. Will Smith recognized his career was falling off and was deeply troubled by The Rock's, you know, kind of ascension. Mm-hmm. Because The Rock had leveraged social media, yes. So he went on this year-long period where he contacted his agency. He made some quality content too, and they went on a year-long trip just making content to grow his social channels, mm-hmm. and they were very successful. It had to have struck everybody like, why is he doing this now? That was why. Yeah, is is, is he was doing it to grow his socials so that he could have a presence similar to what he thought were the most relevant actors of of today, like mm-hmm. The Rock. And he openly felt that he was a better actor than The Rock was. Right. And there's probably some truth to that. I don't think if The Rock were here, he would probably deny that. He would probably say, yeah, you are. You got more experience than I'd be doing it. But Mm -hmm. that being said, he's still the highest paid actor and one of the wealthiest ones in the world, The Rock. I mean, say what you will, man. At the end of the day, I feel like from an entertainment perspective, don't get me wrong. The Rock was great in like WWE, WWF, whatever you want to call it. Oh, boy, yeah, you're yeah. walking a line right now, man. Well, it was WWF when I grew up, and then it, it transitioned to WWF. I wasn't so. even talking about the worldwide. Oh, am I? Oh, hold on. I love Dwayne The Rock Johnson on screen, but as a live performer, inter- pure entertainment, Will Smith takes that cake, bro. Live performer? What do you do live? Anything he wants to do. If he could, if he were to perform live, he, he could do stand-up. He could kill it. If he would perform any of his music, he would crush it. I mean, I don't know, man. I'll, I'll give you the music. His, act, his acting is Far none better than Dwayne the Rock. Johnson. I think the person you're really describing is Jamie Foxx. No, Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx, unbelievable. But fucking we're talent. comparing the two. We're comparing Will Smith. But and Jamie Dwayne. Foxx was a comedian. Jamie Foxx was a good artist. Had way more records than, than Will Smith did. No, me wrong. I, I grew up watching Will Smith. I, I idolized. Yeah, better, hit, bigger hits. Yeah, I don't bigger know. hits. He knew more people in the space. Now, granted, Will Smith has probably done some bigger blockbusters than Jamie mm-hmm. Foxx. Fine. But Jamie Foxx's musical abilities and talents are far exceed Will Smith. Okay, but we're comparing Dwayne the Rock to Will Smith. Who's a better actor between the two? I don't care about gross sales. Uh, I think you got to give it to Will Smith. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. And that was Will Smith's frustration. What was your favorite Will Smith movie? Ooh. Man. Okay. That's don't, give t- me, don't give me some corny ass answer either. 
No, I mean, it's, the legend of Bagger Vance. Wow. I don't think I've ever heard that one. Him and Matt Damon. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It was so simple. Don't You can say Pursuit of Happiness. I get that. That's good. Yeah. yeah Especially because it's a true story. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many good Will Smith movies. There was that other one, too, where he like donated all of his organs. What was that one called? Seven? I, I never saw that one. It was good. I think it was Seven. See that that was the kind of period of time where he went so seven left. pounds seven, seven pounds, pounds yeah. yeah that was that was the, the period of time where he went so left in his career and it was it was clearly chasing award season but that was such a good movie that man. it bothered me yeah like, I just it was it was just too like he got I like blockbuster Will Smith nope I recant I changed my story oh you want Aladdin that actually that movie popped off that was the first test of his social media presence after the year yeah. and, it, and it really it I was it. actually really worried for him I mean how are you going to follow Robin Williams. And to, yeah, no, I think everybody to, was. Yeah, to, to you know, make genie his own. I thought it was brilliant. His social media, his social media was the reason why he, did, why yeah. he, you know, him and his team stuff. really know how to leverage his cachet. I am legend. That's my favorite one. Far hand, far down. Yeah, if because I know, and I've heard this you know take. That, before. They're making a sequel, right? I did not. He's not in it though, <laughs> but he is. Oh, is he? Yeah. What made what makes that movie so great is for, for like seventy five percent of the movie he's in it by himself. It was just good acting. By when himself, his, When though, his dog died? He's acting by himself on screen. Yeah. That is fucking remarkable, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I Am Legend, one of my favorites. Yeah. Plot, like vibe, yeah, acting you was... You didn't care about him and his dog, though. You're a cat guy. Come on. Bro, when his when he had to Sorry. break his dog... You told me you don't like dogs. You like cats. I almost said it. When he had to do the dog thing... <laughs> you almost said, well, oh... Well, that, if you haven't seen it by now, that's it. All right, so he had to snap his dog's neck because his dog turned into a zombie. Yeah. That scene where he started crying while he was holding his dog. He had to do what needed to be done. That was one take, bro. Yeah. Amazing. And it was so viscerally emotional. Mm-hmm. I started crying. Yeah. It was very emotional. Yeah. Like whenever I see somebody's Audi belly button. <laughs> <laughs> Way to bring it back. Way to bring it back full circle, baby. So what we got here from the Wall Street Journal, big banks need more financial cushion, Fed Bar said. Yeah. So... I found that statement interesting. We can, it, you can get into the quote from the article. Actually, I'll read the quote, and then I'll, I'll kind of explain why. Did I put a quote in there? Yeah, you put several quotes. Oh, I did. Yeah, there you go. See, look at me being thoughtful in advance. Look at you. Planning out the show's organizational structure. Prepared. Just. Oh, dude, he's telling you he doesn't need you. That's what he's saying right now. No, we, we do need him. Yeah, I know we do need him. We need him for the photos on screen. No, he's the only one who cosigns like your bad behavior. Like, <laughs> I know. I need someone to you, help me help you. You guys have some kind of arrangement behind the scenes working out. He never, he never gets you. He only gets me. No, he does. No, when he does he when? does? The last episode, he took a couple pot shots at me. <laughs> so, I can't remember them off the top of my head or anything, but all right. So, what's going on with these big banks needing more financial cushion? You see, man, so salty. The Federal Reserve's regulatory chief said. I should point out the regulatory chief of the Federal Reserve is not actually Jerome Powell. No, he's secretary. Fed secretary. Now, the regulatory division is actually somewhat carved out from his purview. Mm -hmm. And they have, they're underneath him from like an HR perspective, I believe. But they're they're not reporting to him because you can't regulate what he's trying to move on his side. And I mean, it's kind of a conflict of interest, right? Right. So the Fed's regulatory chief said he has decided to beef up the financial cushions for larger banks. Moves, he said, would help boost the resilience of the system after a spat of mid-sized bank failures this year. Now, if you recall Jerome Powell (laughs) coming out 
in what Saeed likes to call a presser. I like to call a press conference. I like to call it the post-game press conference. Comes out. I believe he started one in particular notable presser saying that the banking system is sound and resilient. He, he beat that drum for multiple meetings. Beat the shit out of that drum. Yeah. But then he also did flip-flop. He did start to say that there was cracks in the system. He did. So first he came out like Tyler, Tyler Durden mm-hmm. and had himself some fight club. Okay. Beating the shit out of it. <laughs> okay. Edward Norton comes out, eh, you know, all messed up. Yeah, all the movie references tonight. So that's what I do. But yet here we are, the Fed's regulatory chief saying that this would help boost the resilience of the system after the spat and mid-sized bank failures. Mm. So he says he wants the beef up the financial cushions for larger banks, but then says this would help mid-sized banks. Well, wh- what for, is it, chief? For a hundred for banks with a hundred billion dollars in assets. That's right? your mid-size, according that, to this, anyway. That's your mid-size. I don't know. Is it? That's got to be larger, right? I. To me, according I, to this, I, I he included mid-size and larger. Typically speaking, larger is over 100, 100 billion. Right. So, and when I looked it up, that's a, that's roughly around thirty banks. Yeah, not a lot. Not a lot. Yeah, there's forty-seven hundred plus. So it's not going to require. It's not going to be a whole lot of stress on the entire banking system. Just these thirty banks. Yeah. But how does it help? Did he go in and explain how it helps the banks below that threshold? <sighs> no. Not, well, he did. Well, let me get. Let me get into the rest of it. Then I'll okay. Events over the past few months have only reinforced the need for humility and skepticism from for everybody except Jerome Powell, apparently, mm. and for an approach that makes banks resilient to both familiar and unanticipated risks. Michael Barr, the Fed's vice chair for supervision, said in prepared remarks for a speech on Monday. Mm. You want to prepare banks for the unknown and unanticipated risks. Yeah. I don't know that you can do that. I don't think you can. But okay. The changes which regulators are expected to propose this summer come after what Barr described as a holistic review of big bank capital requirements. Under the plan, the largest banks could be required to hold an additional two percentage points of capital or an additional $2 of capital for every $100 of risk-weighted assets, he said. And you made you actually explained this pretty well on a previous episode that capital is different from liquidity for a bank. Correct. Right. So this is completely different. Completely different. Now, what I will point out is risk-weighted capital was an industry term. He chose to throw that in there in particular. Okay, so what does that mean? Not all assets that banks make loan on loans on are 100% risk weighted for capital purposes mm. getting into some technical jargon here for those of you who are the accountant you know fanboys and girls out there right certain certain loans that meet certain criteria only require the bank to hold 50 percent of that loan as you account that loan for 50 percent risk weighted capital rating which means the bank actually holds less capital about half so in this case right. if the asset was a 50 percent risk weighted capital asset under these proposed revisions, you would only hold a dollar of capital, not $2 of right. capital. Basically, if you made a loan for a million dollars, you would only need to hold 500000 And for some of the some of the loans that you make a loan for a million, you'd have to hold for a whole million. For, for, your, for your capital consideration. Right. So long story short, it sounds like they're being hyper aggressive and they're going to make some you know big changes, but there are always loopholes. So grain of salt. Barr said he planned to apply the Fed's toughest rules to banks with at least $100 billion in assets. Mm-hmm. That was also the barometer that Silicon Valley Bank tried to stay just below so that they could avoid these extra 
requirements that yes. normally banks would get at 100 billion in size. So some banks actively do that. Mm-hmm. Well, Silicon Valley did. It, mm-hmm. They shouldn't be doing it, but that's right. what they did. Okay. Extending restrictions that are presently only apply to the largest institutions. These include, ready? Yep. Steps to end a regulatory reprieve that had allowed some mid-sized banks to effectively mask losses on securities they hold a contributing factor to the collapse of SVB. Interesting. So, well, this article from the Wall Street Journal, which I had cited earlier. I have a I have a theory behind this. Please do tell. I have a feeling that in July, at the end of this month, July 26th, when they, after the Fed raises another 25 basis points, that this is the signal that this will also make banks further tighten their credit standards and their guidelines. And that it's looking like they, they believe for, for now that July's meeting will be the last interest rate hike. But they're not coming out and saying it. They're, they're actively saying there's still room for more. A majority of them believe there's going to be two more rate hikes. But that with this and the future you know, tightening of credit guidelines, that it could be the final one. I have a, a bit of a hot take on everything that I just read to you. And I know it's all in the news and it's spun this way and that makes total sense. And mm-hmm. it comes from the Wall Street Journal and it's comes from, coming from Barr and, and he's in charge of supervision and these capital requirements are going to help the system. And I know that I'm a banker and I have a bias. Mm-hmm. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to paint a picture as plainly as possible because I want people to tell me that I'm either crazy or not crazy. Mm-hmm. What caused this jump off can be pointed to a number of attributing factors. But let's start with the obvious, and then we'll move to the least less obvious. There were runs on banks because they were concerned these banks weren't financially sound and resilient. Mm-hmm. People like Peter Thiel, people like Y Combinator told people to pull your money out of Silicon Valley Bank. Right. But that's not where this started. This started with the Fed increasing rates at a cadence like we started the top of the show at it had never done before at this pace right again we increased 10 percentage points over the course of two years right in paul volcker's era in the 80 early 80s right that was done 50 basis points consecutively every single increase right we've talked about in previous shows this was more of a bell curve approach an approach that has not been taken in history 25 basis points, 25 basis points, 50 basis points, 75, 75, 75, 75. Yep. 50. 25, 25. 25, 25. Right. And presumptively 25, gap, 25, whatever it might be. And then the strategy moving forward is unknown. But that unprecedented approach means that your curve, like in the graph that we showed in the beginning, isn't below 45 degree angle increases. It's almost Mm. at 75 degrees. Right. You know, well, well above anything that we've seen in the last 40 or 50 years. Modern history, as that graph referred to. Mm-hmm. That puts a tremendous amount of pressure on banks repricing their deposits. And at the same time, we talked about the yield curve inversion. Yes. That yield curve, that 10-year treasury in particular, is what puts upward pressure on mortgage rates, on real estate loans. Right. So... We've seen it tick up, and that caused mortgage rates to jump up to an average. I think we pulled up in the last show over 7%. Mm-hmm. Almost 8 Yeah. But 
it takes time for banks to make loans. And right now, banks don't want to make loans because they're scared of what's happening because of this liquidity crisis that happened in Silicon Valley. Right. So really, the true catalyst was the Fed took an unprecedented action. Mm -hmm. And instead of going slowly into this after 14 years of artificial interest rate deflation and saying, hey, this is going to be a three-year endeavor, right. they may have been worried about hyperinflation. They said, we can't wait that long. We're going to go hyper-aggressive. They didn't communicate that. That's what they did. Mm -hmm. That is what put pressure on banks because that then in turn took their investment portfolios, their bond portfolios, okay, and made them worth tremendously less. Tremend yeah, a lot. That right there shifted the market in what was normally a very, very safe and sound investment for banks to put money into that was earning asset, earning income, right, turned into a very negative one. Right. And when banks have to sell those assets and realize the loss, it can create problems. That created the narrative around Silicon Valley Bank, which caused Peter Thiel and Y Combinator to say, hey, pull your money out. Yeah. So to say that these capital requirements are going to stop, stop this from ever happening again. Mm -hmm. No, that's an incomplete response. That, that's, that's not what did this. Yeah. It wasn't a capital-based issue. Mm. But let's talk about the ramifications. Okay. Are you ready? Let's do it. What are the ramifications? I just like saying ram in sentences. Fell right for it. Never trust a man with ram in his last name. Never trust it. Okay, so the article we talked about at the beginning of the show, the one that you should absolutely read from the show notes, everyone wants interest on their deposits. That's bad for Main Street banks. Community banks expected the Fed's rate increases to help them, but instead they are hurting. This is from the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. So it's got um, a little beautiful old-timey bank photo on the front of it, but... Uh, I'm going to read a couple couple paragraphs from this. I think I think uh, it's interesting. Okay. All right. They go over and talk to a lot of different banks, but um, here we go. Then came the Federal Reserve's rapid interest rate increase starting last year. The 60 bank branch of the bank they use an example in the opening sentences here took a big loss on the bonds it bought when it thought rates would stay low. Depositors started moving their money into higher yielding places such as treasuries forcing Nicolette to pay higher interest rates. This is the CEO of that bank. Mm -hmm. The urgency was only intensified after Silicon Valley Bank failed in March. So again, this is not my opinion, the Fed's actions were the catalyst. This is wild, widely accepted right now. Right, as okay? it should be. It goes on and on and on. Thousands of small and mid-sized banks across the U.S. flourished after the 2008 crisis. They navigated tougher regula regulations ultra-low interest rates, and competition from bigger banks. Think about the globally systematic important banks, the Wells, the Chase, the B of A, the Cities. Right. With deep pockets and flashy apps. Those banks had all those things, but mm -hmm. community banks propelled themselves. Why? And there's very, very common vernacular. If you're a community banker, it's going to resonate with you. Families and small businesses that wanted high-touch, personal service, were a winning clientele. Mm-hmm. For the most of 2021, all but the very smallest community banks had higher return on equity than the bigger banks. Wow. And now they're all being crushed. When the Fed started raising interest rates to fight inflation, the conventional wisdom was that it would be a boom for Main Street banks. They were expected to increase the rates they charged on loans faster than those paid to deposits, pocketing the difference. The problem was is they expected the Fed to increase rates at a slower cadence. 
and the rapid acceleration that we just talked about yep. is what meant that banks could not keep up. Right. Couple that with the with people projecting second half of the year growth and thinking that the Fed was going to ultimately turn around. A lot of people that I spoke to, smart and stupid all together, mm-hmm. I'm not going to name which ones were smart and which ones were stupid, they all believed that the Fed was going to cut interest rates before the end of the year, last yeah. year. Yeah. There's still some of them are still saying that this year. No way. Instead of instead, the opposite is happening. The Fed's hikes and the failures of a trio of mid-sized banks are prompting once loyal customers to pull their money out of checking accounts that pay no interest. Mm. Banks are paying much higher rates on the deposits that they are retaining, which is eclipsing the benefit of charging more on loans. And we're also in uh, a liquidity crisis right now where banks are not, it's, it's a liquidity crunch. It's right. not a credit crunch. Yes. So banks are not deploying the capital even if they could at higher rates because they want to make sure they have that cash because they don't know what's going to happen with these contagion fears that happen on March 10th. Especially if you're banking in another 25 basis point interest rate hike mm-hmm. at the end of this month. Why would I make a loan now when I can make make more money on that loan next month? Speaking of which, the article goes on to say they are also hoarding cash and tapping high cost loans in response to recent failures. Yeah. So I'm going to read a couple more paragraphs and I'm done with the article, but I think everybody should read this article. It's got a lot of really good data and it really resonates with the things we've been telling the audience on the show mm-hmm. from presumptively just a journalist perspective here, but this journalist has gotten it and understood the whole picture of community versus bigger banks and the Fed better than anybody I've seen. Okay. So this is actually a very, I don't know the writer is. I got I to gotta cite, cite the writer at the end of this. In the first quarter, community banks paid on average 1.14% on deposits, up 0.39 percentage points from the prior quarter, according to the Federal Deposit Insurance Company, a corporation. They earned 5.36% on loans, up 0.16 percentage points from the prior quarter. These are averages, but think about it this, in this context. The deposit pricing went up 039 and loan pricing went up 0.16, a difference of 20 basis points. Yeah. That is a lot of interest income left on the table that it's eating into how much banks are making. Mm. Community banks, which are smaller lenders that focus on plain vanilla lending to their communities, are especially dependent on this type of interest income. Mega banks are also getting pinched by higher deposit rates, but they have the cushion of fee-based income for big trading, investment banking, and wealth management businesses. Yeah. They make a lot, a lot of the bigger banks make a lot of money off fees. And I'll end with this because we're going into banks earnings season. Mm-hmm. I want to set the proper expectation for what we're probably all going to hear in the news. Community banks profits are expected to decline 23% this year, according to S&P Global Market Intelligence. That is steeper than the 18% decline that the S&P forecast for banks across the country. Scarce deposits are expected to contribute to a lending slowdown, which we're already seeing and been talking about for how long now? Right. Any economic downturn or trouble in commercial real estate, i.e. the office space that we talked about in previous episodes. A billion square feet in vacant office space across the nation. Yeah, that's a big number. That You know, they, I saw a Wall Street Journal video that broke that down. Mm. That's like 370 Empire State Buildings. Damn. That's a good, that's a good breakdown. <laughs> yeah, when you put it like that. Sheesh. Well, all these things would further strain the system Think and cause about it. Yeah, more challenges. I mean, banks haven't been making loans, so... There isn't much of a profit there, mm-hmm. right? So the profitability is way down. What did you expect? I mean, earnings on and forecasts are all projected on, you know, constantly producing. 
Right. So I don't want to be accusatory, but I want to be very transparent with the audience and the listeners. By the way, real quick, uh, those two authors, Rachel Ensign and Gina Heeb from the Wall Street Journal. Oh, okay. Got you. Rachel and Gina. Gang, gang. Gang, gang. I like you guys very much. Said, a Nobel laureate, future Nobel laureate, uh, is very pleased with your writing. Yes, very much so. So maybe you should Please send them like stuff. a... Care package? I was thinking just like a blank note with your cologne sprayed on it. Just say <laughs> laureate. You know, something, something that's intriguing. No, can't do that. Okay. Um, Said so just pointed to his wedding ring, wedding ring <laughs> finger. <laughs> no, I didn't think you were going to hit on him. I just don't want to, you know, they should probably smell what greatness smells like. Yeah. Oh, oh shit. The long play. <laughs> <laughs> I build jokes into my other jokes. There you go. It's I would be the Will Smith. You would be the Rock. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> See now he's not, <laughs> you're, you're the Peck Pops. That's really, yeah. <laughs> you dance to me at least like once a week. Well, I have to. The Peck Pops. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I don't want to. I don't want to be placing conspiracies, but I also want to be very transparent. I, I I firmly believe that there. So he's looking at his watch, going shit. Kristen starts the clock. Do we, does he know how long we've gone on the show so far? <laughs> no, no, I don't know what's going on here. No. You, you, you want to talk about it? No. Do you think? Do you know? I know exactly what time we started, and we're an hour and six minutes in. Oh, look at that! Yeah, look you, at you, dude. What? You're on top of it. I didn't think you were because you didn't start the clock over here. I'm always on top. No, you're not. We've just we've covered this. Always on top. Bottom. But you didn't want to be accusatory. Bottom of what side? You know exactly what. Bottom of the accusations. There you go. So. I firmly believe that there is something going on in Washington that's, I don't want to call it sinister, but I would say is, how do I put this politically? I think there are some legitimate differences of opinion on how this situation evolved and how it should be handled. Mm -hmm. And I've spoken on previous shows that the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation's primary function is to protect the depositors. Yes. The Federal Reserve has a different function. Right. They're protecting the economic system. Now, yeah. they all have bank regulatory I feel oversight. like most, most people don't know that those two, you know, companies or corporations are different. They're very different, right? yeah. the one The one that insures your deposits at the bank to make sure you get your up to $250,000 is mm-hmm. not the same as the one that's been raising the interest rates. Not the same. And there's an argument that they haven't been very well aligned. And I think that that misalignment is causing stress on the system and impacting the consumer. Mm-hmm. I would even go so far as to argue that from the outside looking in, it seems pretty clear that the Fed didn't want Silicon Valley Bank to fail. No. Try to stop them from failing and the FDIC stepped in and seized them. Because at the end of the day, look, the Fed is going to reverse course if one of two things happen, right? If they do end up getting to their target inflation rate of 2%, right? And they won't turn around at 2% if inflation is coming down at a fast enough cadence and there's enough downward trend where they can tell we can reverse course and it'll still continue to come down. They'll they'll pivot and start to cut interest rates. Or something collapses. Mm. Something crashes in the market. So the belly button collapses into the market. (laughs) If it it pops out... (laughs) And Silicon Valley, right, causes not just one, two, but let's just say, you know, hundreds of other banks to collapse, then they would be forced to have to. So here's the conspiracy, though, right? 
then subsequently First Republic Bank did not fail. Mm -hmm. They sold right in an expedited sale. But I think it's pretty obvious the FDIC wanted to shut them down. Yeah. I think it's pretty obvious they were concerned they want to step in and the Fed arranged that whole we'll get you $100 billion in capital mm -hmm. or in deposits. Right. And then it was like, oh, Jamie Dimon's going to swoop in and buy them. Oh, where did that come from? Mm -hmm. Over a weekend. Mm -hmm. The idea, I'm sure, was to give consumers confidence that it wasn't a failure, but the consumer took it like a failure. No, oh, but that was for First Republic. Not, Sil not Silicon Valley. Yeah, that was, that was what happened after Silicon yeah, Valley. Yeah. So I think during Silicon Valley Bank, the FDIC stepped in and said, hey, we're doing this. And I right. think when it came to First Republic, the Fed was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. You're not doing this. And now I think the environment's shit. These are two very well-regarded, probably, I don't know what their, their regulatory reports are. They're not public, but I'm sure they were not bad. Right. Uh, and now I'm, I'm, and after some, some pretty, so imagine this scenario. You're in Washington. You say, hey, uh, you're the region and the regulators who regulated this bank. Mm -hmm. Why didn't you know it was fucking up? Yeah, exactly. And they go, well, it wasn't fucking up. And they go, what do you mean it wasn't fucking up? Well, until you just raised rates. Yeah. Imagine saying that to your boss. <laughs> this is your fault. Yeah. You know, you may, you, you only make them stress up. If the someone four go get pal. <laughs> okay. That no. motherfucker should be fired. Yeah. And cash guard too. Fuck yeah. both of them. Yeah. Neil, I see him run around here talking about interest rates increase. Everything. He's. Clearly wrong. And Messer from Cleveland. Dude, this chick out here, again, I, I think she was one of those ones that was citing up to 6%. Yeah, I know where your dot plot was. <laughs> yeah, I know where your dot She's like, is there 8% in this? I don't see the 8. <laughs> yeah, I want to go higher. Yeah, it, why is there no 8? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It's just, what if imagine, I made the dot really big around 6? Yeah, imagine you're looking at your boss and you're saying, hey man, uh, you told me to stress this thing only 4%. And then uh, you you went up 5%. Yeah. So whose fault is it? So now I think this is the way this is going to play out politically. I think the mandate from Washington will be like, everybody's getting the proctology exam. Everybody's going to touch their toes. <laughs> we dip our fingers in. Yeah. Okay. Prostate's getting checked. Yeah. All right. Ice cube, no Vaseline. And I think there's going to be a lot of downgrades and a lot of regulatory pressure. Now, this will not be visible to the consumer, but I think this is going to happen. Okay. And I also think... What do you think comes of it, though, when that does happen? Well, do you think it's going to expose some things? If something comes of a prostate exam, that is not usually a good thing that comes of it. That's from, my point. So you, there'll be more sales to come? Uh, I think there will be ultimately... Well, let's get before I get there. Mm -hmm. I think it was easy for the big banks to say, hey, this isn't going to impact us. But you just heard the Wall Street Journal say they're going to have to increase their capital requirements 2%. That's a big number for big banks. And if you're a big bank... Yeah. $100 billion plus, at what point do you say, hey, fuck you guys. We didn't fail. Yeah. We yeah. bailed you out. Right. We, we were there to help you guys. Yeah. We bought these banks that you fucked up on. Yeah. I gave them $5 billion in deposits. And now the alliance is like, whoa, 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 whoa. We hook you up. We help you out. Now you're raising our capital limits. Yeah. Well, I mean, Bitch. Yeah. But <laughs> like, what are you going to say, though? That's the boss. So again, so think about all like this is all swirling around, right? Yeah. And now community banks, here's what I think is going to happen. I think this earnings season is going to be really tough for a lot of banks. There's 4,700 plus, plus banks. I think the Fed's foregone conclusion that there's going to be a lot of bank consolidation, but it's not going to happen right away. Because if you're a bank thinking about buying a bank, what bank are you going to buy that's going to improve your position? If you have low deposits, right? most banks are going to have low deposits. Right. You know, if you're a strong bank you, yeah, and you, you don't have those problems. Usually you're looking to buy a bank that's going to offset an issue that you have. Right, or you're looking to merge one. Right. 
So the merger activity is going to be slow to begin with. We if, already know. We talked about those deals are $1 trillion on hold. Yeah, there's not a whole lot there. So you're just going to wait for these banks to fail. Damn. You're going to, why would you bail out a smaller bank for them? And if you're the big banks, mm. why would you bail anybody out now unless it's, it's good for you to grow? And if it's good for you to grow, I'll just wait till the FDIC calls me and I'll buy it for pennies in the dollar. I'm not going to pay retail. You know who's not going to get signed as an advisor is Goldman Sachs. Yeah. Goldman Sachs. Saw what you did with, with them over there, SVB. So you bought their assets and then you- That you told them to take a loss on? Yeah. You advised them on the assets taking a loss that you bought yeah. under market? Yeah. That's fucked up. How'd you mix that, Davis Sullivan? You know, I was DJing that night and I thought <laughs> to myself, like, that's cool. I can do this. And then Norio Rabini was there and he was like, yo, David Solomon, what's up? And then, you know. <laughs> I just pictured, I pictured Norio Rubini at the night at the Roxbury. Solomon, <laughs> you want to come to the hot tub? I have these ladies. It's very nice. We go to plunge in the hot tub and then back and forth. Can you take it? Can you dig it? <laughs> yeah. See, Norio Rubini's coming more and more bored at it. Yeah, yeah. By. you can tell. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we can safely end the show here, or we can explore some deeply personal and intimate conversations about your life that you don't often share with the audience. <laughs> wait, no. wait, wait, wait. This, these need to be vetted out up front, my we friend. We don't need to vet anything out. I want you to be open and transparent. What, what, do you, what, would you like, what would you like to be open and transparent about? What's your most embarrassing bathroom moment? <laughs> Just a normal question. My most embarrassing bathroom moment? I, yeah. don't, I don't know if I have one. Have you, ever, have you ever gone to like a public restroom, pooped, no toilet paper? No, it's never happened to me. Never happened to you? No, I don't. My, we've discussed this. I don't poop in public restrooms. Come on, man. We've talked. We've talked about this. Have you ever had to go to the bathroom so bad that you you didn't think you could hold it and you had to like run someplace and like it's public shit? I have to go. Oh no, no. I mean, never? at home, at home, yeah, made at home. You tell me you've got an iron colon. Iron. That this digestive system is working overtime. Maybe you're not like fat. Maybe you just bloated. <laughs> I'm not... holding all your shit in. <laughs> Who says I'm fat? I didn't say you were fat. I'm just saying maybe that's you're what, not. That's what you said. Maybe you are. I don't know. I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't really look you at your insinuated. Stomach. I would never insinuate yeah. that you're fat. I'll think about some, some personal stories to share on the next episode. See, that's not very endearing. People want authenticity. They want it live, real time, brother. Give it to me. <laughs> give it to me. Give, it to give me, me something. Give you me want something some, You want some per- real right now? Arun said he hadn't said sex in a long time. <laughs> that was it. Hold on. That was Let's clear his name. Personal. And clearly his wife killed him. He's not here tonight. <laughs> yeah, seriously. He didn't show up on the next episode. That's true. No, she seemed to be. I've got COVID, told, a.k.a. I can't come out and play anymore, he told, y'all. He told, he, <laughs> I, saw him, I saw him the, the next morning, mm-hmm. right? After, after He told her in advance, huh? <laughs> he he got out way in front of that shit. I, I, he opens the door because he was going to take uh, Adam to uh, my in-law's house for me. So I didn't have to drive all the way over there. Nice guy. Great uncle, right? And... Uh, he opens the door and I'm like, hey, what's up, man? Before he could even see what's up. Hey, so I showed Marcel the video. <laughs> he goes, I showed her. But what I made sure to do is first play the whole the whole Friends episode so she knows where it came from. And then I played that and she she thought it was brilliant. So hats off to him. He was able to he was able to work his magic. See, here's the problem with that logic. That works now that we've got a small, and loyal, If you don't know what base. we're talking about, do yourself a favor. Go back to the last episode and tune in to the last two minutes after you listen to the first entire part of the show. Right, but if you if you did stay drop off, for the last two minutes. If you did drop off, I mean, shame on you. People don't drop off on our show. No. If you did, I'm just saying, I don't know. We haven't, I haven't analyzed the analytics in quite some time. 
I don't do that anymore. Yeah. It's like self-torture. <laughs> it's like masturbating raw. Who does that? Ew. What? Masturbating raw? Who does that? Yeah, I mean, nobody likes dry rub. Yeah. What? Ugh, terrible. Don't act disgusted. You were talking about that before the show started. Now you're lying to the people, man. Am I? Yeah, you are. The people will know. <laughs> Allow me to liberate you. All right, well, since you're uh, you're being sassy, um, I think we're going to call the show an end uh, you got here. Enough? Okay. You got what? You got nothing? Well, what? Nothing personal to share? I got lots of personal to share. I've shared my laser hair removal tonight. I've shared about my any Audi fetishes. Mm-hmm. I've shared about, uh, you know, a lot of my personal stuff. All right. And like you know, I I, I brought down the sneaker game tonight for you. <laughs> so I could win this one? I feel like you still won. I did. I still won. Yeah. These are my dailies. No, man. Chuck 70s. Beaters. Have what? You, do you own a pair of Chuck 70s? I own three pairs. Yeah. Chuck 70s are the best. Although I don't wear the high tops. Only lows. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, you have transitioned to a low top guy. I've always been a low top guy. Never don't like high. I mean, you got your you got all the Jordan ones, high tops. Yeah, I wear them a lot. Hmm? Yeah, but you do. I wear them a yeah, decent amount. I think I've got beautiful ankles, so I like to have them exposed raw. I mean, you're borderline cankles, man. I'm just as friend to friend, that is borderline. That might be the most hurtful thing you ever said to me. That is very offensive to some you really, people. You're just being sarcastic, right? You don't really believe that. Do <laughs> I'll believe it right there. All right, everybody. You got anything else? No, fuck you. We're not leaving that right there. <laughs> hey, like, leave us an honest five-star review, whether that's on Apple or on Spotify. Go over to YouTube. Check us out. Leave us a like. Hit that notification bell. Subscribe. All the fancy stuff that all the influencers say. We'll see you on the next episode. Good night, everybody. <laughs> you put your head. No, don't put your mic. Don't. Don't do that. Don't do that. Bye. <laughs>